Welcome to this week's edition of Pipeline Things. We have our guest here, our esteemed guest, Mr. Sean Moran. We Thank get you. into the conversation of uh, EMAT technology, the EMAT users group, and it's a great show. I'd also encourage you, if you have questions, we're going to have a mailbag show coming up where we will take your questions uh, live on the show and do our best to answer them from any of the previous episodes. So you should see a poll or you should see a, a link. You can get in on LinkedIn to leave us that. Thank you for your support and I hope you enjoy this episode. I feel like we always have to make sure we get that right. All right, welcome to this Wednesday's edition of Pipeline Things. I am your host, Thing 20, otherwise known as Rhett Dotson, and my co-host, Mr. Christopher DeLeon, Thing 21, not lesser in prominence, but lesser in stature. That's the uh, theme we keep running with here today. So it's great to be with you guys. It, I have to tell you, it's, it's spring in Texas. Uh, the warm weather's coming to the air. Uh, the pool is uh, really close to getting opened. It's, it's just that time of year, Christopher, where you get to get out and about. Um, and it, it's amazing out here right now. So. It's just starting to feel great, right? It, March just kind of brings another level of energy, I feel Man, like. it really does. And I, I get excited. I get to spend more time outside. Baseball's about to be up and coming. It's not Houston hot yet. Not it's yet, It's still kind of pleasant. There's a breeze. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, all, these, all these positive things happening, like... Uh, all the fun things that come with March. Yep. We've already enjoyed crawfish for a couple of weeks. Yep. I was outside doing the yard work last weekend. We got the garden up and running. So what about you? What did you do this weekend? I, I got to watch some some NCAA tournament basketball outside in my patio. March You're Madness, big, baby. Oh, that's right. March so you Madness. have a reason to be a big March Madness fan because mm. U of H was actually in the tournament. It's been a while since A&M's been in the tournament. Yeah. So we're, we're on a back-to-back-to-back kind of. So uh, we're in Sweet 16 type situation. So everybody's really excited. Go yeah. Cougs. Yeah. We love you guys. Coach Sampson, you're doing a great job. You know, we have to give credit to coaches, right? I mean, organizational leadership is uh, so fundamental. Yes, it's true. Especially in basketball, man, especially at the collegiate level. It's definitely, it's a team game. It's an organizational sport. You just don't get out of the court and throw the ball up and hope for the best. So You know, I'm, I'm starting to, to pick up a correlation of of March Madness and your how'd you did you do a bracket this year um, no I didn't do a bracket this year you know because last year when I did it uh, we actually put money into it as a family and I, my seven-year-old niece <laughs> won because she picked the team that she like sounded the best and she I, I forgot who it was but they went way further than anybody else predicted except my seven-year-old niece yeah. lost faith in my ability to do brackets at that point yeah I, I kind of feel like there's a correlation there with ILI what do you think uh, you, you kind of put something in and you expect to get something out when you expect it and how you expect it. No, and then what, what normally happens? Um, so, yeah, I could run with this. I don't know if it's the way you wanted me to run with it. But, yeah, you put something in and there's two to the 63rd possible combinations. And you're hoping that only one of them. And there's the engineer in red. <laughs> you just hope that one outcome, you get all the way to the end of the right two teams. Is, is that where you were going with it? <laughs> or you exactly, had another thought? That's exactly where I'm going with it, right? And there's different approaches, right? So some mm. people... You know, might may, may want to take a, a broad approach. Some people may want to go and ask for help, you know, and get some statistics. Some people want to go based on how the team sounds or the color of their jersey. Wow. And if you're not careful with, with you know, how you make decisions, then you might not get the outcome you expect. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I can see. That, that's funny. I think um, knowing, I think, where we wanting to go with today 
today's show, and again, for those of you who are on the YouTube thing, you probably noticed there is an empty chair in between us. We've got a guest that's coming up, and I think we're going to be talking a lot about EMAT as a system and EMAT as a technology, and that kind of probably fits with this vein. I think we can make this March Madness thing work um, yeah. for sure. So uh, on that note, Chris, and just taking, bringing it back around for the audience as we talk about EMAT, um, you and I have both had some experiences uh, on the EMAT side. And I have to say, I will give credit where credit's due. I think your EMAT experience is probably a little deeper than mine. Um, and you've got a little more credibility than I do. And I, I'd like you to speak to that, some of the audience. So as we, as we get into this topic of EMAT today, what have, what's your background in it? I'll keep it simple, because I think today the show's about uh, our guest. About our guest. To come. Um, prior to working here at ADV, one of my first gigs was with Energy Transfer, where I had the opportunity to to work with the industry to put together a guidance document for mm. um, EMAT and EMAT repair and EMAT in situ uh, evaluations. So uh, that then led into writing the company document for how we respond to EMAT. Um, got to, to be involved in a couple of EMAT projects where you had to make decisions on what to dig, what not to dig. That is the question. And it's, <laughs> and it's based on different, you know, fraction mechanics models. Which one do you pick? What I'm material properties do you use? producer did not know that reference, but I'm not going to ask her right now. <laughs> She's not happy with that comment either. <laughs> and so had some very hands-on, you know, it, when you have to make it is back to the March Madness bracket. When you got to pick who's going to win the tournament, you know, it's, uh, mm. it, it's, it's, you got to put some energy and effort into that. And so I had to do that a couple of times. And then obviously at our, our more recent employer with Rosen, um, worked as a business manager there for, for the advanced business units and put together yeah. the crack framework. And I think we both kind of managed more than a couple, if we could say that, uh, mm. different EMAT programs and, and working with different EMAC customers. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I actually really enjoyed uh, that side of things with, with Rosen, the, the, the trying to help the, the, the customer experience, I would say, uh, and how they managed implementing EMAT, uh, some of them for the first time. Uh, and I think between the two of us, you know, there's what's really cool is that you've got experience both from the vendor perspective, being at, at Rosen, but also from the operator perspective, being an energy transfer. And I think what's super cool is our guest today actually has a nearly identical background to you yeah. and I'm interested to I'm interested to see how you and him <laughs> how y'all how y'all come at EMAT with you two having come from different vendors and actually different operators yeah. so I think it's a good time to bring on our guest uh, and today we're going to call on Mr. Sean Moran yeah come on Sean come on take a seat Hey man, so good to have you on the thanks show. For having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. So look, thanks for um, flying all the way down just, just for this, just, just for this. Is this the shot. only reason you came? Yeah. Dream come true, man. You In the day that? out tomorrow. <laughs> I just want you guys to know, audience out there, Pipeline Things has reached a point where people will fly mm -hmm. any distance, any time, mm -hmm. private, <laughs> to be a part of this. We won't tell you how much the chartered plane was that we had to bring him down. <laughs> no, we didn't. No, we, we but didn't. seriously, we're so glad <laughs> that we could catch you while you were here. I think what's more surprising to me is, is you're an, an avid, avid might be the right word, follower of Pipeline Things? Yes. Yeah. I've been following since episode uh, maybe three when I was recommended I think three is where we picked up uh, advi advised by yeah. you two to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had to put in we're avid. Episode seven. You're episode seven release. Oh, wow. Hit the Oh yeah, yeah, gosh, Mr. That's Producer. A, that's a no-no. That's a no-no. That came across on screen. Um, this is going to be episode 10, 11, somewhere in there. Okay. I'm not sure I've actually so lost maybe count. Maybe I missed something then. Um, no, no, no. We, we, yeah, you haven't released them yet. There yeah. you go. But point is, you've, you've listened to enough episodes to know the, the, the shenanigans Chris and I pull 
And you still opted to come. I did. Well, and, you know, I show up here and I'm told, hey, we got everything set up. Let's yeah. go. Let's do this. Shop tour. So, no, yeah, we're going to yeah. do a podcast. <laughs> you didn't let him know he was going to be on the show before we bought him? Uh, can I, Ish. I, I, that, that's questionable. Ish. <laughs> I, think, I think there were some indicators. There were some indicators. Uh, so we just bring him in here. They throw him on the podcast. Hey, break, hey they're not going to come do shop tours anymore. Yeah. Like, you're going to throw me on the podcast. Yeah, yeah we're going to be. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk uh, about outside. Yeah, outside only. Yeah. Away from <laughs> ADV. Uh, well, really, seriously, thanks for, for, for coming on, Sean. So I want to I want to introduce you to the audience out there. So tell us a little bit. Who, who's Sean Ryan? Where do you come to us from? How did you find yourself here today? Well, yeah, so I uh, actually flew in from Salt Lake City. You guys already know that. Great great snowmobiling out there, as we all mm -hmm. know. And, oh, so uh, now they know who we went snowmobiling with. There's some powder with. out there, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's some good yeah. powder. So uh, I'm actually you know, here to uh, do some work with API on the 1176 work group, mm -hmm. which we yeah. we'll dig into a little bit later. But um, my background's actually from the, as you mentioned before, the, the vendor side, so iLive vendor. Uh, first worked with TD Williamson for oh, about six years, um, helping develop their EMAP program and, and a little bit on their MDS side as well. Um, and then from there, I started working at Williams in 2017. Um, so I've been working in the uh, Williams, it's more of a specialty integrity group um, outside our standard integrity program, but initially to develop the SCC management program and then now beyond that uh, as well. Wow, so it's really cool. So honestly, I mean, it's really in opposite order to Christopher, yeah. but you yeah. and him share that common bond, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think I, I I knew you were, I knew you were the product manager at TDW, mm -hmm. but I don't think I knew you were specific to the EMAT side. So that's yeah. really cool. And so now you've seen it from both sides. So I think it's going to be a really good topic to, to, to dive in today. And right. so I, Do you know what EMAT stands for? Yeah, oh my gosh, come I'm, on. Hey, this is one like naming bro. the seven one, corrosion yeah, profiles. Let, let's that see. Let, let's Electromagnetic see. acoustic transducer. Okay. Really? And, and what is it used for? <laughs> what is it used for? Yeah, what would an operator use an EMAT tool for? Well, I mean, primarily it's to find cracks in pipelines when you don't have a liquid couplet such that you can use UT, crack detection technology. So are you saying you can only use EMAT? In a gas pipeline? Well, you can use it in liquid too, um, but really it's whenever you don't have that liquid coupling that it becomes very expensive to run a UT tool. Okay. Is this about me today no, or is this about Sean? I think Sean? you got it. That's, yeah, that's he, did, a, he did okay. 100%. He did pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a little bit. That's my, good. My, I kind of like you. No, know, I love it. I you love know how like when a dog's ears sweaty? part forward <laughs> and they go like this, right? They're kind of like. The ears or the hair on the back yeah, of the neck? Why are, you coming, why are you coming at me like this, bro? Um, <laughs> Testing your knowledge. Yeah. yeah getting right. He, he so, is. In, in a very public fashion, yeah, I felt yeah. threatened. Keep you on your toes. So, Sean, talk to us a little about. What is it like being an iLive product manager, high level, like nothing too specific, you know? So um, obviously you're an operator, we can get into that, but the life of an iLive product manager, you know, is it just about the tool all day long? Like, what is it that you can share with the audience? Yeah, well, and, and I guess specific to my experience too, so it was on more new, new technology developments, which, yeah. is, which is actually a, a lot different. I mean, understanding how different technologies uh, are developed too. I mean, you, you really have to understand the basics of, of EMAT and understanding what does EMAT do, how is it different than other ILI technologies out there. So a lot of uh, you know, work initially I did was really understanding uh, what, what value does that EMAT technology bring to the market and, yeah. and uh, what market, what does that need, uh, what, what demand or what need is needed. So, uh, it, so is it fair to say you're not just focused on like the the hardware 
yeah. and like the physical components so, of a tool? Yeah, so we can get into that too. It's system level, right? So we, okay. we, we think about EMAT or even ILI in general um, as a system. Um, so developing the system around EMAT or any, any ILI for that matter is really a function of, you know, the engineering that goes into developing it, the testing, the validation that goes to, de to developing an EMAT technology, um, mm -hmm. the analysis piece of it, the support, the field support, running the tool, the execution of it, that, that data comes back, what do you do with it? So, that, so it's a whole system-wide uh, understanding you know, I, of it. I got to go back to the, the March Madness thing. I feel like it's coming together uh, yeah. for me. I'm, I'm okay. not going to be as serious as Christopher's going to be on this episode. Okay. It's just kind of like, on. you know, so it's like, it's like March Madness. Everybody just wants to see their team advance in the bracket. Right? Or, or, the, or the Cinderella. Everybody yeah. loves or, the Cinderella or, or story. Or the Cinderella. Yeah, I didn't expect it to work, and it worked well. I don't know if you want to think about that way, about, <laughs> about, about EMAT as an ally. I, but I think it's like yeah, people For like, the record, EMAT is not the Cinderella story. Yeah. Yeah. That is not the yeah. correlation. Yeah. Where we it's, more like, it's more like yeah. the Duke. I okay? bet you, I bet We're going to say something like that. I bet you that's the title of the episode, though, now, is EMAT Cinderella the Cinderella story. story. Uh, and everybody's going to listen to the episode. Um, but no, it's kind of like everybody just wants to see their team win, and they just want to see you know give the ball to yeah. somebody and score points. Blow them out, too. Yeah, blow yeah. them out too. Right, nail a hundred percent. Right, that's like getting only four EMAT calls. <laughs> you yeah. dig them, and you're like, "This is perfect." Perfect. Move the, on to the yeah. next one. The reality <laughs> is, it's more complex than that, right? If you want to win a ball game, there's a whole lot of preparation that goes into that. There's a coaching staff. There's a plan. There's analyzing the defense before. Yeah. I think when you approach EMAT that way, I think that's really something that go into so, this episode with. I like where you're going with this. So we're, we're going to hone in on you a little bit, Sean. Right. Do you feel like you had an advantage? When you were developing, because it sounds, I think you said you stood up the SEC management. Do you think you had a little bit of an advantage having come from a, an ILI vendor? The, with the understanding of what what EMAT provides, absolutely. And so, I mean, I guess do you want to touch on that topic a little bit? Like, what does EMAT give you? That's up. To, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, no, yeah. I think it's interesting. What EMAT gives you? Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of vendors, and I'd say maybe even a lot of of, of, of operators out there, it's like EMAT's just another tool. There's yeah. EMAT, there's Caliper, and there's MFL. MFL, EMAT. The forgotten technology. Which uh, one is IMU. That? See, IMU. I didn't even say it. Going back to another episode. True that. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, EMAT is a different animal. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, sure. I've seen it on the on the Rosen side. You've seen it on the TDW side. Yeah. Uh, I think operators think that the the viewing software, everything just looks the same, right? It's just squiggly yeah. lines. Or big blobs. <laughs> or big blobs. <laughs> big, <laughs> big red blobs. So I think from the very beginning, you have to start with a different approach of what you're going to get from 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 EMAT. Yeah. Um, you know, here, here's where I, here's where I want to go, and I think we need to do it together, Chris. Okay. So, like, tip for tap. You're just going right. to bounce. Right. Let's go. Ping pong, ping pong, ping pong. Um, absolutely. you got to choose who you're going to yeah. look at, and I'm trying to constantly steal the ball because I want to score. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I really want you to think about from a standpoint of if you're giving operators guidance, which operators, where have you seen operators be most successful in deploying EMAT technologies and what aspects, what did they do right on the court to advance their team in the bracket or get EMAT to be that winning technology, not the Cinderella team? Yeah. Oh, wow. You brought it back to March Madness again. So. <laughs> it's going to be the whole episode. Yeah. Whole episode. Yeah. You've seen yeah. the snowmobiling yeah. episode. It's like, you know, it's yeah. the same thing. Well, I mean, it's kind of like the Mad so, Batter. Yeah, it is. <laughs> You're bad. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, you know, the experience I have and I can speak to is, you know, we, we you know, try to host these uh, events or uh, get togethers with, with other fellow operators and, and speak to what are our lesson learns and the challenges that we face and how we can kind of advance the, the, the technology and either or a program, stand up a program. But I think what I've seen with uh, 
program success is is operators that learn from from each other too and don't be afraid to ask for help um, to to lean out and say hey we're trying to develop this program and understand well understand from the start what do, what do we do with EMAT how does that work and how do we integrate that into our program or s separate it from a program and, and manage it you know independently but how do we stand up that program and I think for an operator to be successful, you really need to understand with what you're getting uh, and what what you're actually then looking for and going after. You yeah. see how he picked up the Get Help line? Yeah. No, no, but it, multiple it, episodes. Yeah. I, yeah, I've learned <laughs> from that too. Yeah. It makes me yeah. think of like the Ragnarok uh, episode where Thor is holding Loki for Get Help. <laughs> get Help, yeah. <laughs> Not like that though. Yeah. But I really like you know because we talk a lot sometimes about getting help from people who have knowledge who are maybe sit on the consultant side. But you brought up a really valuable point, which is. If you're starting on an EMAP program, you may want to get help from yeah. other operators who have been there, right? Yeah. And so I know on the early days of, of EMAP, there was the EMAP users group. So yeah. on the operator side, uh, it, does, does such a thing still exist? Can you speak yeah. to that now? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it took us a short hiatus with COVID, um, mm. as, as a lot of things did. But yeah, no, so we're, we're still hosting that uh, intervals kind of to be determined. But that, So that is a forum for operators to get together and collaborate. Uh, and, and share uh, lessons learned, kind of understanding, you know, and, and we can go back to basics too. It's like, well, I get this information, what do I do with it, right? So it's mm -hmm. not just, I've, I found, EMAT reported all this, you know, all these features, what do I do? You don't just go and dig up everything, the you know, there's yeah. a program side to it as well. And, and some operators are still figuring, you know, what you, you mentioned this earlier, uh, I think about the different uh, fracture mechanics models that can oh. be used, right? So there's yeah. different models that can be used. How do you respond to, you know, based on the results of those models, how do you respond to uh, what the findings are? But so, so you all get into all this in the EMAT users group? Uh, we can. It has a tendency yeah. to go all over the wow. place. It, we kind of just let it So let how it does go. somebody get yeah. into the EMAT users group? Is there a secret well, hold handshake? Hold on. Handshake. Hold on. Maybe, maybe the better question is, do, does everyone, I mean, from your opinion, does everyone yeah. need to be part of the users group? Or is no. there a, uh, a, like a collaborative culture to where information is generally available? Yeah, I, I think there's more to come on that front too with the collaboration. Not, I mean, mm -hmm. EMAT users group was a forum that was used to share information about general understanding of EMAT, programmatic yeah. you know, development of you know, an SCC management or crack management program. So that was that was there for a reason because it was a void. But there's other avenues now that are, you know, there's an API 1176, right, which yeah. is really the development how to do, how to stand up a crack management program. There's yeah. some guidance in there that is very similar to what you talk about in the EMAT users group forum. And those can really complement each other, right? I yeah. think if we get specific, I feel like the RP 1176, it kind of gives you that framework to formally yeah. go through, like you know this comprehensive process of what are my threats, you know, how am I establishing susceptibility, what fraction mechanics am I going to use. Right. It even describes in the annex is different technologies, right, whether yeah. it's in situ or ILI. Whereas it feels like what you're saying with the users group, and again, I, I don't think we necessarily need to say everyone needs to be in the users group, but we'll mm -hmm. leave that to you. Yeah. Um, but rather, but there's a supplement of having a network, right, yeah. where you can reach out yeah. to operators, it doesn't have to be consultants, yeah. and say, Hey, this is what we're doing. This. I need yeah. help, or what tips do you have, and yeah. all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so we've we've tried to create a a, a forum or a place yeah. that allows for new, you know, people that are new to EMAP, people that are new to maybe developing crack management program, um, yeah. to, to or to operators that have been doing it for quite some time now that can provide that uh, maybe 
you know, sometimes maybe voice a reason or, or share, you know, similar concerns or, or lessons learned they've had. But, I mean, there's a place for, you know, operators to be, and then we also try to bring in, um, we, we have in the past, bring in vendors, too, yeah. to help provide guidance there, too, and, and open the floor a little bit to, so it's not so, you know, just operator-centric. Yeah, it's, it's funny. <clears throat> in the intro, we talked a little bit about my previous experience. I remember back in 2008, 2009 timeframe, mm -hmm. the Emet Users Group was was going on back then as well okay. when I was at Energy Transfer. And one of the big takeaways, Those were the OGs yeah. of the uh, Emet Users Group. Yeah, OGs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember back in the day, uh, one of the big pieces of work that I got out of the Users Group was the NDE protocol. Right. Because okay. when you yeah. look at an ILI process, right, the, the, the ILI will call features and it will characterize them, mm -hmm. right? And it's against the performance specification. And so depending on what you're doing in the field or destructively testing, that's how you can gain confidence yeah. in that ILI system's ability to give you the data you need to make good, healthy integrity decisions. Um, is there anything that, that you could say maybe you specifically benefited from the users group that others could say, oh man, yeah. that would be cool? Yeah, so, and, and I, I do actually recall that even, and I this wasn't 2009 timeframe, but this was probably like 2012, 2013 when they, then I remember the similar, you know, topics of discussion was, how, you know, using NDE and what, you know, what technologies out there with NDE to help validate EMAT, right? There was, and that still goes on today. But yeah. I think more recently what we focused on, uh, well, we've, we've tried to bring in more operators too. So there's, there's a growing amount of operators, right, that are bringing or that are utilizing EMAT, that are trying to understand it. But one thing we've really tried to, to you know, hammer home, if you will, is, is this notion of, you know, understanding the data. Like you really need to understand what is the data telling you? What what is there is there any potential that you have degraded? Because we said EMAT. If you go back to EMAT 101, EMAT is a different beast. It's it's uh, you know the understanding how that that acoustic wave propagates through the pipe. What does that give you? Right. What I, you I know you want to go here. Yeah. I, I know I you want to go I think here. This is break time. Like so a, I definitely. Yeah. That's absolutely. <laughs> we're gonna do that. It's great. We're gonna come back. I think we're gonna get into 1176 degraded data, and we're gonna turn it over to Dr. Chris Alexander for a brief commercial. Hi, my name is Chris Alexander, and I'm president and founder of ADV Integrity, and we are the proud sponsors of the Pipeline Things podcast led by Rhett Dotson and Christopher DeLeon. In that podcast, they're going to be talking about things like integrity management, uh, pretty much anything related to pipelines, including regulations, technology, and uh, anything that you would need to know. They're also going to be talking about current events. Um, for those of you that don't know anything about ADV Integrity, we're a consulting company. We do uh, full-scale testing. I'm actually here in the lab and really high-end engineering to serve the pipeline industry. And we would love to hear from you. I'm really excited about being sponsors of the Pipeline Things podcast. Welcome back to uh, this episode of Pipeline Things, where we're in the middle of discussing EMAT with our, our dearly valued guest who did not have to be coerced to be on the show, uh, Mr. Sean Moran. So, Sean, you know, uh, we need to step back after the break. We have to cover a couple of really key topics. Um, so, you, you've seen a couple of threats. Uh, one, uh, one, one, one thing that's been standard across our guests is, have you seen bullets on a pipeline? Yeah, and I knew this question was going to come up too. <laughs> Did you prepare for it? I, you know, I was I was on a run, and I was listening to your guys' podcast at the time, and I thought, what did I am I going to say if I ever get quizzed on that? Um, and I don't have a good story for that, but I did think about it. <laughs> but no, I, I've actually never physically seen it. I have seen information, uh, historical information that 
sabotage dynamite oh, okay. of those. Oh, nature, so here's right? what he did after the yeah. podcast yeah. while he's running. He went home and Googled. Googled. It's a good that, one. What else can I say? Yeah, okay. yeah. Right, so question number two. Does, uh, is your mom going to listen to this episode? Now she's you're not. On the show. You know what? She's not an avid listener like, like your mom, but mm. I, I do know that after this episode, I'll probably go and create a new username. Yeah. Uh, Rhett's mom <laughs> at ADV. <laughs> And uh, and provide and more comments, it? yeah, oh, a, a positive comment. So Red's mom at ADV will not yeah. be. Oh god, that's yeah. gonna be fantastic. So, sorry, sorry. Right, let's mom. let's uh, <laughs> let's bring this back around, guys. Um, so I think where we ended was talking a little bit about the users group and 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 EMAT data, and I think one of the messages we want to drive home is it's EMAT is still new to a whole lot of operators. Yeah. yeah. And um, earlier, you know, you made a mention to, you know, the data looking different, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, would, would you say it's fair that um, there is going to be a learning curve for an operator who's traditionally understood ILI data and squiggly lines versus them now having to manage EMAT where maybe it's more of like arrays or blobs yeah. of data? Yeah. And I should qual yeah, we, we need to qualify that, right? <laughs> is like, what does that mean when you look at a blob? And, and yeah, so... It, EMAT vendors have a very good understanding of what these different technologies, uh, how to analyze them, the visualization of it. You know, yeah. as you're new to a different technology, you're going to look at it and you say, well, that looks different. That is not yeah. like this. And so like MFL, where you're typically used to seeing different traces, yeah. and, and EMAT, you have this, this, it's an acoustic technology, and so yeah. you're seeing it uh, visualized in a different format. And so typically when you yeah. see something that could be more crack-like, you can you know, that, that's actually a good point, right? It is acoustic, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we have to remember that, right? It might, it's still a magnetic-based tool, like right. an MFL, mm -hmm. right? But it's, it doesn't leverage Hall effect sensors, right, where it's detecting a change in, in magnetic flux, but it's an acoustic. So yeah. that, that's actually a really good point. Um, you know, because that really, and I think it's, it's something that's lost, right? So, uh, and this is one of the things I think a lot of people struggle when you get to EMAT data. We're used to seeing uh, signal amplitudes, and like MFL, the bigger the amplitude, the bigger the feature a lot of times, right? And then when yeah. you go into an acoustic technology, it's not necessarily, particularly now with EMAT, it has more to do with the frequency that yeah. that amplitude hits you on. And so it's a yeah, different yeah. way. Like, not every red thing matters. It yeah. depends on where that red thing happens right. in the frequency spectrum. Right. As to, and yeah. that is really a different way. <laughs> Of looking at data, yeah. so it's not necessarily the red blobs. It's yeah. where the red blobs fall, and where the red blobs fall with other things. Right. Yeah. yeah, and, and yeah, and, and that's something the vendors have a very uh, good understanding of uh, in interpretation of those. Yes. Not, I mean, I would not expect operators to to be able to pick up new EMAT data and say, well, this has a different frequency and this mm -hmm. has a different amplitude. What does that mean? Yeah. That really speaks to more like advanced, probably more of an advanced understanding of, yeah. of EMAT. Which really speaks, again, you know, one of the things we, we, we talked about in previous episodes is, is talking to the vendor. Mm -hmm. um, and, and your experience, you know, having seen that on, um, on the TDW side, uh, was it important for uh, operators that engaged you know, EMAP for the first time to yeah. really be talking to yeah. the vendor? Yeah, and so, you know, pipeline questionnaires, all that information, you're really trying to draw out that information from um, from the operator as a vendor trying to say, okay, what is it that you're, do we know what we're going into here with the expectation that the outcome is we find the threat that you're looking for? Are we yeah. going into it and, and maybe going to have negative results because we really necessarily didn't select the right tool for yeah. the right job? Um, so yeah, I, th I think there's an important piece of, of as a as a vendor or you know even an operator having that dialogue and saying, mm -hmm. here's our problem. Um, do you does this se seem to be the solution for for the problem that we have? 
So I'm kind of I'm in my mind. I have this uh, this this image, this storyline going where you know you've been part of the users group mm -hmm. for a while now, and you know you're pretty comfortable in that setting. And here comes a new operator, you know, yeah. walking through the door, yeah. and they're like, you know, they're that awkward new person, you know, they they haven't been fully integrated, you know, they they don't have all the lessons learned yet. Yeah. Um, what tips could you give that that new operator, uh, whether they're going to join the users group or not, just in general, if, if an operator is going to run um, an EMAT as part of their crack management program? Throw us just a couple of tidbits that, that they want to take away if they're listening to the yeah. podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say if you have contacts, reach out to, to other operators that maybe have the experience that can help you can lean on. I mean, there, there's you know, one, you know, rather than recreating the wheel or, or learning from other people's mistakes, why not you know, leverage other operators who've had that, gone through that whole rigor um, and, and learn from it. So, I mean, having, having those contacts uh, around industry, I mean, even leaning on third party uh, you know, consultants that have the experience. There's, there's plenty of consultants out there that have that experience. And then, um, yeah, API. I'll go back to API 1176 as well. I yeah. mean, the whole point is is to kind of create a framework for where to start. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily say, okay, here's here's an EMAT tool. Now, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's where it's important to have that. You know, either you know, can reach out to to others who have that experience and you have that relationship. Don't be afraid to ask questions. So if, if I get this right. Didn't 1176, the RP, come out right about when you were standing up the SEC management program for Williams? Yeah, it was 2016, right? I think, yeah. I think it was 2016, yeah. And so I, actually, I, so I should caveat, I didn't start till 2017. So yeah. the <laughs> EMAC program with, with Williams was 2015 to 2016 is where it yeah. started. And I kind of came in you know, in the midst of, of all mm. that. So I wasn't the one who initially stood that up. But yeah, I think I what right I was trying to correlate is it's, um, you know, what was, what was for you personally, yeah. right? As a as an engineer, as a someone trying to keep the pipe round, sound, and in the ground, what was your biggest learning curve as it related to SEC management and EMAT? Yeah. Um, well, I guess the more the the the, the actually development of a program because I had not done that right that was my learning curve I already understood the technology if you if you come from a vendor side mm -hmm. to an operator you're going to understand how the technology yeah. works you're, you kind of know the uh, the way the the, the pie is made but yeah um, on the, on the back side of that you don't necessarily have that programmatic level understanding mm -hmm. um, understanding and, and then there's a piece of you know What's our risk, like to uh, dig or not yeah. to dig? Right, and understanding. Yeah. yeah. So, so th <laughs> I think for me it was just, whoa, whoa, this is a new program we're trying, they're trying to stand up. Yeah. I, I had no, you know, kind of understanding of how you develop, take something from scratch, and 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 create something from it. So this is yeah. like trying to get that bracket and go all the way through to the end, right? And you're yeah. trying to figure out which teams to put where, but you're trying to see into the future. You know, so um, based on my experiences when we operate, I'm curious if they're, they're similar to yours. Um, I think a lot of operators, again, when they approach EMAT, uh, they're not necessarily prepared on two fronts. From, and I, I'm going to ask if you've seen similar things. A little okay. bit leading of a question. I apologize, but uh, so like when, it, when an operator runs MFL, uh, number one, I think they generally understand enough about what's in their prop, their pipeline in terms of diameter, wall thickness, and grade. Yeah. In most cases, to run the failure assessments, yeah. and then they know the model to go to, which is yeah. B31G. Right. In your opinion, um, how prepared a lot of times do you feel operators are either with material properties, which becomes so critical yeah. in crack assessments, and 
the failure assessment models themselves and there's no less than like what four out there yeah. in the industry so from from your perspective on those two fronts i'd like to ask you either from the williams side or from the tdw side or the users group or the users or even group the, side I mean, yeah. the what advice would you give to the new guy walking to the table on the materials properties side and the failure assessment models you don't have to mention yeah. specific ones but what would you tell them to do yeah so on the on the material property side um, well, so these these models are all based on fracture mechanics principles, right? And if you're running an EMAT tool, you're assessing for cracks. And so to understanding the material properties behind that, um, I'd say first, I'll point you to code reference mm -hmm. and what does that say, right? Yep. <laughs> and that's if you don't have if you don't have that, go to code. Uh, go to code. Yep. Uh, secondly, if you can, you know. And you you're have, referring to the updated gas rule, just so everybody uh, out there is clear. That's yeah. yeah that's CFR yeah. 192 and the updated rule where they put in. Yep. Yeah. Where they put in 712. Thank you. Where yeah. they put in you know five and 13 or, or one and the other one. So. Uh, that is a good point. And what if they four and thirteen? Four and thirteen. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. I love that. Yeah. Gosh, you're got, welcome back anytime you want, buddy. One and oh. five, four and thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. So yeah, much. dude, I love this. <laughs> I had yeah. to correct him. Are you? It's kind of like it's kind of like getting smacked on stage. <laughs> How are you going to recover? Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, don't like know. Chris Rock. Chris Rock, can you help <laughs> me? So, um, <laughs> uh, some hopefully some of the audience got that. Yeah. They um, so yeah, on the materials property side, right? Regulations. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to interrupt you there. I want you to keep that flow sure. going. But um, beyond regulations, those those are somewhat punitive. Mm -hmm. um, they can be. Yeah, they can be. Uh, where do they go from there? Um, so if you if you don't have the, the particular population of, of pipe in which you may need to collect fracture toughness data, uh, I guess whenever you have an opportunity to cut out pipe, um, is where you're going to be wanting to send that pipe in for uh, material analysis and so that's more either more commonly uh, sharp EV notch testing um, is, is a more common approach and but yeah. then uh, CTOD so crack tip opening yeah. displacement testing is, is yeah. the more cool. uh, would be a more uh, preferred uh, toughness or fracture toughness data point you'd want to use so it's collection of that data so anytime you have mm -hmm. the opportunity so I think of it more opportunistic digs where you have the yeah. opportunity to cut out pipe collect that material property data and um, and that's on the fracture toughness side. Yeah. I don't really want to get into the grade side of things in this. I what think about that's the own, well, what about the fracture models, yeah. right? So how do how have you guys? I mean, did you see that a lot at TDW, where people were maybe uh, lean trying to you, lean on you guys for fracture models or utilizing I mean, other other models? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's yeah. like four of them. Out well, there. everything yeah. has a strategy, right? Yeah. It's kind of like picking your your champion based on its conference setup. Yeah. Right. And so similarly, like with your fracture mechanics model, right? I mean, you kind of have to use what works for you. Yeah. You know, if you're going to mm -hmm. leverage Sharpies, then you maybe have a preference of what type model you're going to use. And yeah. if you're going to go fracture toughness testing, yeah. then you use another. That was always a challenge at the EMAT users group, too, because uh, without a doubt, and I don't think you're ever, because the, there are multiple models out there and mm -hmm. available, um, you know, everybody's got their preference. And <laughs> I wouldn't say one's better than the other. They, they all got have, the team all, in the bracket. They yeah. want to go to the end, and they're going to fight yeah. for it. Better they, offense or better defense? There, there's, you know? there's, there's probably value in having, like, a multi-method assessment mm. protocol, right? Where is there yeah. is there opportunity to leverage multiple fracture mechanics models? Um, and, yeah. and yeah, that's I'm the, done with the leading question. I'm okay, sorry. so that, I so I think that's the the fracture mechanics models though is is you're just gonna it's it's all over the place. There's yeah. but they're they're being utilized. It's just you're not having the the same standard. Yeah, this is. I just want to thank you again. Not not that we're wrapping up. Just yeah. you know, we appreciate you coming and sharing. You know, obviously, you know, Rhett and I coming from. Uh, 
from a service provider like you did yeah. as well, and then now in this role as the people we hope for people to call us for help, I think you've given us some really, really good insights today. And the podcasters. You guys are just the podcasters too, right? <laughs> we have to be more than the podcasters. Okay. yeah, fair enough. Even though, I don't know, people might know us, you know, I, so people are starting to identify us as Thing 20 and Thing 21. Yeah. I had a request for swag the other day, so yes. we're going to have to put Miss Producer oh, really? on that. Yes, yeah, we're gonna, we have to figure out some swag now. Yeah. I think if we're Whatever really we come up with, you're going to get some. You've been on the show. Like, you're, uh, you're, and I know you're it's going to be some. green, too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It will definitely be green, except for David Futch's shirt will be brown. Um, <laughs> hey, we should almost think about, like, if, if we're things associated with ADV, I wonder if we, like, mimic that with our guests. So, like, like Futch was guest one, so he's thing one, and Alex McKenzie Johnson. Oh, I think Chris already had a thing one hat, though. Okay, then I'll then we're I don't know. That's probably we'll bad. You, bad idea. See, that's Chris a bad pick in the bracket. That was, that was a bad pick in the bracket. <laughs> yep, there you go. Every now and then you shoot a shot, and it's an air ball. Right? <laughs> it just happens, man. That was that was your air ball. Uh, but, yeah, no, we do really appreciate you being yeah. on, right? And so I want to I want to hit just a recap a little bit, right? So I think, again, for those of you out there, and we're probably Christopher and I after this, usually after a guest comes on, we're going to dive probably into Matt even yeah. deeper. I think there's a few key takeaways, um, and hopefully you guys are following the next ep- couple episodes, right? Which is, you know, number one, EMAT is different. And I, I do agree with you on that. I think when operators approach EMAT like any other technology, um, that that's a mistake. It's um, kind of like going on the throttle once you're stuck in yep. snow. That's like assuming Get off the throttle. You're bury yourself. Get right? off We've the throttle. There you go. <laughs> Stop I, and ask for and help. And that's where you turn it over, you call for help, <laughs> I give you the sled, and I let you bring it out of the place because I'm not getting that. It works. It works. <laughs> you're right. You do it to somebody who's been there before, yeah. and you let them get yeah. out. Um, I really like what you said about getting help, but in a different yeah. category, right? So know that the EMAT users group is out there, and uh, they can reach out to you. I'm sure they can reach out to other people to find out how, how yeah. to be a part of that. Uh, and then finally is, you know, be prepared when you do that EMAT run. You know, uh, think about your toughness data. Think about your fraction models. Maybe even yeah. use a multi-model approach. I like that as well. So uh, any, any parting thoughts or shots before you go? You, Questions you know, for us. You know, I actually, yeah. I also wanted to mention, too, because we just had this EMAT users group, but it was actually in a combined forum. And I think I like that approach. We did a, a corrosion users group. They did a, uh, then they called it crack, a crack forum that was more. Because they didn't want to call it a crack users group. They didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. They had a different, different guest showed up for that one. But they, if, if you could have, <laughs> if you could, if you could have a, uh, it was more of a liquid focus, right? And then the EMAT users, it's just always been more of a gas focus. But we try to bring them all together, and maybe it's more of a hybrid approach where, you know, liquid and gas users can come together and talk about, you know, not just EMAT, but just yep, you know, crack technology. You know, I got to point to Jerry Rouse's book. Jerry Rouse said, you know, in his thing that uh, regulation should really just address pipelines because the pipelines themselves don't care about the contents of yeah. what's in them. Yeah. There's some truth to that. Yep. So, you know, that's a good place to wrap it up. Sean, I want to thank you for joining yeah. us today. Yep. For all of you out there, thank you for joining us on this episode of Pipeline Things. It's been a pleasure. Look for more to come on the EMAT side, and we will see you two weeks from now. Thank you. Thank you.